NFL Show, part of the Mojo Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mojo Sports, the AFL Show for this week. My name is Yuri Bilsic, and we're going solo this week, but only just for this show. Plenty to get forward to as well in the third or four buys this round in the AFL with six teams having the buy this week as well, already round 14 of this AFL season. Before we do get previewing into the games first, we'll probably just scan over some of the AFL news that's been going on in the last 24 to 48 hours as well. And just some of the contract news as well with Chase Jones, who was the former ninth overall pick back in the 2018 draft. He's on the verge of signing a new contract deal to remain at Westlakes. He's been a real prominent feature of Adelaide's resurgence this season as well since coming into the team back in round three. So a deal for Chase Jones to stay with Adelaide is in the works. Also with Fremantle too, Josh Tracy's also been another standout as well since regaining his spot back in the team for their round eight clash against Hawthorne. And him and Jai Amos, right, those two have really taken on the mould as Fremantle's two-pronged tall forwards to go to inside Fremantle's attacking 50, especially with Matt Tabernard being ruled out for the rest of this season with a back injury. So he's also not too far away from signing a new deal as well because also in the last couple of weeks as well, and on Tuesday, Sam Switkowski signed a new deal for Fremantle, which ties into the club until the end of 2026. And of course, in the last week or two with Nat Fife and Michael Walters both signing two-year deals to remain at Fremantle. And also more good news with Adelaide as well. We briefly touched touched upon Chase Jones, but Josh Rochelle too. Hasn't he been a live way in his second season? He's just been incredible. Those celebrations, right? They just completely get the crowd on its feet. And he's really exuded what Adelaide have produced this season as well. The Crows have just been magnificent. And he's basically on the verge of signing a new deal as well. So just even better news for the Crows in season 2023. And the tribunal news that we did here earlier this week too, Dad Butler is free to play as well after that tackle Nick Blakey. And the real uproar about that, when you look back on the replay multiple times, is the fact that it was a perfectly fine tackle. It was just unfortunately that Blakey got concussed and unfortunately didn't take too much further part in the game as well, even though he was hobbling early on by that ankle injury. But it's a good result too because we've seen over the course of this season as well those dangerous sling tackles being really stamped out by the AFL. But in some cases as well, there are football accidents that you can't prevent and this is certainly one of them. So that is on the upside as well. And Dan Butler is free to play against his former side Richmond this Saturday night under the lights at the MCG. And Collingwood, their coach Craig McRae has penned in a new contract extension, which will seem remain at the Holden Centre until 2026. And Scott Pendlebury signs on for another season and will become the sixth player to reach 400 games in VFL AFL history. What a player he is, right? 35 years of age. He never ceases to amaze. His ability in traffic is something that stands out amongst all the excellent attributes that he that he has. And it's just, he's an absolutely champion of the Collingwood Football Club. And although they did stumble into that roadblock against Melbourne, which of course had their nine-game winning streak snapped, they're still firing on all, all cylinders, are Collingwood and are deserving, worthy 
Premiership favourites. So that's just a little bit on the news as well because we've got six games to get through in round 14 of this 2023 AFL season. It has gone by extremely quickly. It always seems that way, right? The first month of the season, four rounds in, wow. And then we suddenly get to the midway point of the season and it's like, Where did it all go? So we'll waste no further time with that as well and get stuck into the first game, which starts in roughly about an hour and a half's time as well between Port Adelaide and Geelong. These two sides over the last six seasons have split their last three meetings. Well, last yeah, three and three each at the Adelaide Oval with the last meeting last year, Geelong winning by two goals. And what a game that was too with Tom Atkins, didn't he play a starring role in that final term? He had, I think, 12 of his 24 disposals in that final quarter and elevated Geelong to that two-goal win against Port Adelaide in round 19 last season. And Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron combined for seven goals that afternoon. It's been an absolutely turnaround right for Port Adelaide. It's been well documented on this show. They've won 10 in a row, which is the club's longest winning streak. And we look back to those early teams or early Port Adelaide sides of the 2000s, which were so dominant in a way too. And unfortunately, they couldn't get that silverware until 2004 when they thwarted the Brisbane Lions three-peat and them for reaching out four-peat premiership. Just the whole combination that Port Adelaide have got going at the moment, Zach Butters, who you could considerably say is the Brownlow medal favourite. He has been incredible. Think of that game against Melbourne a month ago. 41 disposals he had, and especially in the very tricky, slippery conditions too. He was handling as though it was a dry ball. Connor Rosie, Jason Horn Francis just continues to shine in his first season. Back home in South Australia, Travis Boak, Ollie Wines. The list of name goes on. Darcy Byrne-Jones, I think, is going to be the real... Well, since he came back into the team against Port Adelaide in round four, he's been switched positions from his usual half-back to back-pocket line where he won at All-Australian back in 2020. And be very intriguing to see tonight to see what happens against Geelong and how they mitigate Tom Stewart because Tom Stewart is arguably the best intercept marker in the competition. Some teams have found success against him recently and I feel as though Burn Jones is the right matchup to try and at least negate the influence of Tom Stewart too. So that's going to be a real... Interesting key point in the matchup as well. And Geelong, well, they've at least for they're on a little bit of a skid. They're on a three-game skid. And it could if they have lost to the Western Bulldogs, which they did, there's a very resolute win. They would have been their fourth straight loss. The first time since all the way back in 2006 would have Geelong have lost four games on the trot. But it was a much needed win. Keeps them right in the hunt, well, in the top eight as well. They currently sit eighth on the ladder, and they get some really important reinforcements back into the team. 2016 Brownlow medalist and skipper Patrick Dangefield returns for his first game since round eight after suffering a hamstring injury. Likewise, Mitch Duncan as well. He just always seems to go under the radar week in, week out. And the other big inclusion as well is Max Holmes, who gives him that real spark and zip on the wing too, and he's elevated his game over the last couple of seasons. So it should be an absolutely belter between the two teams as well. And Port Adelaide's backline has held up extremely well too. Leah Lee has had another great season. Trent McKenzie, even though maybe a little bit undersized in ways, held his own against the key forwards. And those two tonight are going to have a real big task against Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron. And also likewise too for Geelong's defence as well. It's going to be a real stretch, isn't it? With Charlie Dixon, who's just recently returned to the side. Jeremy Finlayson has, has 
had an absolutely cracker of a year too. 24 goals thus far this season. Then he kicked those five first half goals against Hawthorne a fortnight ago. And also Todd Marshall too after that breakout 2022 campaign after kicking those 45 goals. He's been another solid contributor just recently coming back from the head knock too. So it's going to be a real task for Geelong's very staunch and very solid back six to curtail Port Adelaide's trio of tall power forwards there. So it should be an absolutely belt of a contest too. I've got Port Adelaide winning this narrowly by a couple of kicks. I think it's going to be extremely close as well. And those acquisitions of Dangerfield, Duncan and Tom and also with Max Holmes, I say, should really give Geelong a boost in the midfield as well. And with the Cats, they refuse to say die. And we saw that against the Western Bulldogs, even under man two to find a way to win. They still got the chocolates, those all-important chocolates a couple of weeks ago, those four points. So, again, it wouldn't be a surprise, but the way Port Adelaide have been tracking along, they are just absolutely chugging along. This is arguably the best football probably seen Port Adelaide play well, 2014 is a very similar one that comes to mind in Ken Hinckley's second season as coach when they'll arguably the fittest side in the competition. So I've got Port Adelaide winning this by a couple of goals. And we'll turn our attention now to tomorrow night's game, Brisbane and Sydney at the Gabba. It hasn't quite been right that season that Sydney had hoped after. Well, they're on the end of that grand final demolition at the hands of Geelong to the tune of 81 points. They've really had to battle with injuries as well too, especially the back six with both McCartan brothers out with concussion. And Dane Rampey recently came back into the side as well from that neck injury, having not played since round four against Port Adelaide. We'll go through the lineups first, starting with the Brisbane Lions. Ryan Lester comes into the squad, as does Ruckman Darcy Fort, Kyle Lohman, and a debutante as well, Jasper Fletcher, the son of Adrian Fletcher, former Brisbane Lion and Fremantle Docker midfielder as well. So he's the 12th overall pick in last year's draft, 10 picks behind, of course, Brisbane's first overall selection, the number two pick, Will Ashcroft, who has basically hit the ground running already and seems as though he's already played 100 games already in what is only his first season of AFL football. The outs for Brisbane, Jackson Pryor has been omitted, Darcy Gardner injured, Hugh McCluggage, of course, that concussion from the tackle from James Sisley, which he's been handed a three-match ban, which Hawthorne will send through to the AFL Appeals Board, which will be discussed on Monday evening, that instant. And the news earlier today as well with Daniel Rich and Jack Gunston, both of them went up to coach Chris Fagan and said for, well, both players said to Chris Fagan that they should be dropped and both have probably not had quite the form they've had this season. Of course, Jack Gunston, his first season up north, and Daniel Rich, well, he did miss those three weeks of a calf injury, so you can probably excuse him for that too. So that was a real surprise when that news came about this morning as well. So those are changes for Brisbane, and Kadeed Coleman, who was the sub last week too. It'll be interesting to see what Brisbane does. You think most likely that he will be in Brisbane's best 22. As for Sydney, Luke Parker returns from suspension. And this is also a great story too. Jack Buller, who was an outstanding form for Claremont this season. He had that arguably fantastic game against South Matt. It was very early in the season. Kicked four goals, had 22 disposals. And he was outstanding in his first game last week for Sydney's reserves in the VFL. Kicked five goals, four in the side's narrow four-point win over Sandringham. So he'll make his debut Ryan Clark's been omitted. That's the real surprising one too. I thought he would play another negating role, which, of course, John Longmire brought him back. I think it was about 
midway through last season as well and did an outstanding jobs. We can probably list the names that he did curtail the likes of Nick Dacos and Jack Sinclair last season. So that's a big one for Sydney. Isaac Heaney's been injured and did mention he did have a good couple of weeks as well. Did a very good job on Carlton's Patrick Cripps a couple of weeks ago and also last week spending time in the midfield as well going head-to-head with St Kilda captain Jack Steele. He's injured and as is Lance Franklin. So this is the real test for Sydney now, who last season found scoring extremely easy to come by. It hasn't been that way this season. They averaged 93 points last season. This season's dropped considerably down to 84 points per game. So they're going to have to try and find ways to at least get a score going. And it feels like this is almost right for Tom Papley to really stamp his authority in the game. We saw him have that outstanding match against Richmond all the way back in round five in the inaugural magic round, which he kicked six goals. And he's a real barometer for Sydney. When he's up and going, the Swans normally win games. So they really need him up and firing. And you expect Brisbane, the reliable Brisbane defender, Brandon Starsvich, to get the job on him for that game. So there's so much to go through as well. Brisbane's midfield too. They'll be extremely disappointed after yet another loss at the MCG and that, MCG won't continue yet again. The only two wins that have come from at least the last nine years was round 22-2014 against Collingwood and, of course, last year's semi-final against Melbourne, which they came back from a 28-point deficit during the first half. So they're back home in very pristine grounds at the Gabba too, where they've had so much success since reaching their finals appearance for the first time in a decade back in 2019. And it feels though They'll just have a bit too much poise around the ground and should bounce back. So I've got Brisbane winning this by three to four goals for that game. We'll switch now to the Saturday games now, and we'll start first with GWS and Fremantle down at Giants Stadium. And the Giants record, right, it doesn't really reflect how competitive they've been this season. They currently sit five and eight, registered a win over North Melbourne last Sunday down in Hobart to the tune of 28 points. They've got most of their veterans firing, right? Stephen Cornelio is one that comes to mind. He's had an outstanding season thus far. He had an outstanding season last year. It was a bounce-back one from the last couple of years, which were injury-riddled and just couldn't gain the continuity that we'd seen from Cornelio for the last few seasons before that. But he's back to arguably his best too. And Callum Ward, again, the reliable veteran who's been Great over the last couple of weeks as well since moving back into the midfield. The back line's really held its own. Jack Buckley, expect him to match up on Jai Amos too. Jai Amos has had an outstanding season for Fremantle to date with 23 goals from 11 games. Lockie Ash has given the Giants plenty of dash of half back. And I think Julian Ives spoke about this last week too of Lockie Ash. And last season he was playing the Tigers role. He did some outstanding jobs, especially on the like of Tuke Miller back in Round two last season, the Giants' victory over Gold Coast, and he's given Adam Kingsley so much dare and dash off half back. And I think this this is something that has really come back for the Giants too. And this is something that was prominent during those years when they were contending for premierships under Leon Cameron, especially that era from about 2016 to 2019, that orange tsunami. We've seen that come back in waves, and. That's the way the Giants like to play. When they get the ball out through the coal face, through the likes of Tom Green, who's had yet another magnificent season, especially the clearances, the tackles, the contested ball side of things. And when they get out to their open runners too, Josh Kelly's another one when 
he gets the ball in hand and uses it effectively with his deadly left boot. They're extremely hard to stop the Giants. And it just, again, it, their record five and eight doesn't really translate to how competitive they've been thus far this season, barring, of course, that round nine smashing at the hands of Collingwood, which probably at least out of those whole 13 games was the one that they'll probably uncompetitive in. But apart from that, they've really gone through and shown through leaps and strides on that side of things. Just going through team lineups as well, Sam Taylor comes back into the team. He's been arguably one of the best key defenders over the last couple of seasons. And Josh Kelly too, we mentioned a couple of seconds ago, comes back in, both returning from hamstring injuries. Ryan Anglin's been omitted, as is Jack Fay, who showed some really promising signs too the last couple of games, including that game against Richmond, which he kicked that outstanding left foot bomb during the final quarter of what was that thrilling loss at the hands of Richmond. And Harry Rouston, who you think most likely will be the sub for Saturday's game against the Dockers. And Jago Mira returns to the side after serving his one-game ban for that dangerous tackle on Melbourne's Charlie Spargo. James Ash, as we saw, will miss potentially a couple of weeks, multiple matches due to a concussion sustained after the bump from Richmond's, from Richmond's Ryan Mansell with Mansell serving a three-game ban, which the Tigers are going to send through to the AFL appeals board to try and get it reversed. And Sam Sturt has been omitted. And Michael Walters most likely to play full game after coming on as sub last week and really making an impact right away with those couple of goals to bring the Dockers back into that contest against Richmond, albeit they end up losing by 15 points. This is a real tricky one to predict, right? Because both sides especially frame out of that loss last week to Richmond puts them back in the pecking order. And you think for them to establish themselves yet again, as a finals contender, as we saw last season, it's a must win game because after that, they got Essendon who've been in extremely good form too. But getting Jago Mira back will certainly help complement, of course, Caleb Sarong, Andy Brayshaw. Brayshaw we've touched upon has been outstanding the last month after he spoke about on Perth radio early last month about him playing through injury in at least probably in the first seven rounds this season, not quite being at his best, which saw him win the Lee Matthews Trophy last year and being named an All-Australian for the first time in his career. It's going to be a real interesting point with the game too, especially Freemail's very staunchy back six with Alex Pierce, Luke Ryan. Expect Luke Ryan to get the job on Toby Green. Toby Green's had another outstanding season thus far that's far, shall I say, for the Giants. So expect Luke Ryan to get first crack at Toby Green. And the fourth line too with the Giants with Jesse Hogan up against his former side. And Kieran Briggs in the ruck has given the Giants a real extra grunt in that lineup too, especially, and especially, shall I say, as well with the matchup against Luke Jackson, who's been in absolutely scintillating form for Fremantle thus far this season, especially probably since that round eight game round eight game against Hawthorne. So there's going to be a lot riding on Luke Jackson's shoulders as well with Josh Tracy to give him a chop out as he did last Saturday against Richmond. I think Fremont will win this one narrowly. It'll definitely be under two kicks, that's for sure. There's just very little to separate the sides as well. It wouldn't be surprising if the Giants win as well considering the recent form that they've got. But Fremont want to keep themselves in that pecking order within the top eight contenders, they've got to win this game. So I've got Fremont winning this by a straight kick. We'll go now to the next game, the Saturday night game, Richmond and St Kilda at the MCG. 
And we'll start first with the lineups for Richmond. Ben Miller comes into the squad. Marlon Picker, of course, we know the incident that happened earlier this weekend. Hugo Ralph-Smith most likely will be the sub for this game. No changes for St. Kilda. Cooper Sharman was the sub last week for that. It's going to be, this game's going to be fascinating too. Richmond have won their last couple of games. Andrew McQualter has really steered the ship nicely as well for the Tigers. And that win last Saturday in what was slippery conditions at the best of times against Fremantle, that was a real, you could say, defining win for Richmond to really set upon a real catalyst run for this season. And it's almost identical to last season, right? Richmond had those woes for the first half of the campaign, couldn't gain too much momentum. And then it really started clicking probably in the last roughly couple months of the home and away season and elevated them to a September spot. And it wouldn't be surprising if they do that yet again. We saw so many of their prominent movers last week. Tim Taranto, he was outstanding in the first half, 22 disposals, end up had end up finishing with 35. Shay Bolton's game, what about that last quarter though? He had, was it? 15 of his 33 disposals come in that final term, kicked the goal too, and that goal ended up being the match ceiling one. He was absolutely a real prominent figure right throughout the contest and through the clearances and gave the Tigers that extra spark. Trent Cotchin, the former skipper, arguably had his best game of the season as well. And also big congratulations to Trent Cotchin playing his 300th game. He's just been a marvellous player for the Richmond Football Club and joins an illustrious list of names as well at Tigerland to play 300 games, joining Francis Burke, Shane Edwards, who retired last season, Kevin Bartlett, list of names goes on at Tigerland too. So a huge congratulations to, to Trent Cotchin on why there's been a stellar career. And he spoke early this morning too about wanting to play on next season and feeling as though he's still got plenty of footy left in the tank. Well, the way he played last week, he definitely have to consider that and just never know what might go on from next season too. But that was arguably his best game from last Saturday against Fremantle. Dustin Martin was, again, at his best. He had another outstanding contest. And the backline too really held up as well. And Nick Vlossen's return, his intercept marking, helped negate numerous amount of Fremantle attacks and especially to hold Fremantle's Trio of quartet of Michael Frederick, Lockie Schultz, and Sam Switkowski goalless too, even though Michael Walters hit the scoreboard with a couple of majors. They've started to find form at the right time, Richmond as well. And likewise for St Kilda, that was a extremely resolute victory last Thursday night under lights at the SCG against Sydney. That significant amount of contributors as well in that game. We know, of course, the backline holds down the staunch week in, week out. Callum Wilkie, arguably All-Australian this season. His intercept marking is off the charts. Josh Battles, another in- excellent intercept marker. So they've got plenty. And Dougal Howard, too, as well as another terrific defender. So they're extremely hard to score against St. Kilda since Ross Lyon took over yet again. Ross Lyon 2.0 taking over the club before the start of this 2023 campaign. And the last time the sides did meet, it was a couple of years ago, and it was in very soggy conditions, which St Kilda ended up winning by 40 points on that Friday night back in June of 2021. Richmond held held to just two goals that night and can still remember vividly that game. I'm pretty sure it was Samson Ryan's debut for Richmond as well, which arguably wasn't the best of conditions for a 206-centimetre Ruckman, but he's been in outstanding form 
for the Tigers this season as well as really taking his opportunity when given that chance too. This is also another extremely close game, which was pretty hard to pick too. Just feels so the way Richmond's been going this past fortnight, they can really carry it on on Saturday night against St Kilda and feels though in the way too, most of their players are rounding back into form as well. And if they do find a way to counteract throughout St Kilda, very squeezy defensive 50 press in the zones that they create, they'll give themselves every chance of winning. So I feel that way too. If they replicate similar to what Port Adelaide did back in round seven, then they're going to give themselves that every chance of securing another four points and make it three wins on the trot. So I've got Richmond winning this game by two to three goals for this encounter, but should be an absolute cracker. We'll turn our attention to the two Sunday games and we'll start first with Carlton and Gold Coast. Um, Man, hasn't it just been an absolutely mire of a season for the Blues? They haven't won a game since April 29 against West Coast. That was all the way back in round seven. They've lost eight of their last nine games thus far. And yes, it's been extremely tricky to view in parts as well, being a Carlton, Carlton supporter myself. But there was something at least that changed considerably com- compared to the last handful of matches. And now it's in terms of being a bit more daring, a bit more creative with their ball use. We saw that. Although on numerous occasions they did turn the ball over, but they at least showed an adventurous way of taking the game on what we saw what in the first 10 rounds of last season as well when the club started 8-2 and two, and we probably saw during the first opening month of this season as well when they really decided to be counter-attacking and being more daring with the ball in hand. So we saw that in spades as well, although it ended up being a 34-point loss to Essendon. And what was most startling too as well, the inside 50 count, Carter won that by plus 15, 56 to 41. But again, it seems to be that four connection, right, that is really been the stumbling floor for Carlton this season, kicking on top of the heads of Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay, not giving them those one-on-one leads, not kicking the ball out to them, lace out. It's been a real trend thus far this season. Even though Curnow's kicked 40 goals this season, currently leads the common medal. We know, of course, Harry Mackay's struggles this season with his set shot kicking too, but they've at least got to try and find some way to get those easy deliveries going forward because we've got Coast backline and Sam Collins and Charlie Ballard who've have again had underrated seasons for the Suns this season. You can't give them those high kicks up in the air and allow them to intercept the ball at will. So I think it's something that's going to be significantly important for the Blues going in going into Sunday's contest. And if they can mitigate that, they'll at least give themselves some chance of putting an end to this skid. Just touching upon in terms of the 450 entries as well from last week, which Carlton had a plus 15 advantage. It's similar the way, right, to what Melbourne endured back in 2019. That's so much possession, so much territory, so much forward 50 entries. I think the average, I think it was about 53 to 54. But the problem was that four connection. And there was one game in particular against Geelong, which they ended up getting crushed by 80 points. That's 72 inside 50 entries yielding for only six goals. This is almost reminiscent, right, that Carlton producing this season to what Melbourne were producing four years ago. And some things you can't change within a week. And we don't know exactly 
what will happen this Sunday in terms of whether the Blues can clean up that forward 50 connection between the midfielders and the forwards. So it's going to be something that's going to be really intriguing come to mind as well. We'll start first with the lineups with Carlton. Nick Newman comes back into the team as well after a hamstring injury. Mark Pitnett from the hand injury. Jackson Binns, which a lot of Carlton supporters have been crying out for him to make his debut. He's been outstanding form in the VFL. David Cunningham, who hasn't played a game since round nine of 2021 after suffering an ACL injury against Melbourne. He's been outstanding form in the VFL. And Lockie Fogarty also comes into the team. Jesse Motlop has been omitted. And Jack Silvani, not for the first time this season, has been omitted. And Paddy Dow, who was last week's sub, you think most likely will be the sub again. As for Gold Coast, the Inns, Mac Andrew, Sam Day, Brandon Ellis, Nick Moylo and Alex Sexton, Jai Farah and also Oland have Bodie Oland, shall I say, as well, have been omitted from the team for this encounter. Gold Coast have been flying along, right? They've won five of their last seven games and they've really turned around their season behind Matt Brown, Noah Anderson. Those two have been outstanding. The forward line has been clicking with Ben King absolutely having an outstanding season after missing the entirety of the 22 two campaign due to that torn ACL. Jack Lacocious's move up forward has been an absolutely gem by Coach Jill Dewey's kicked by 23 goals this season. They always like to find the ball, the Suns, in Jack Lacocious's hands 60 to 55 metres out. His outstanding kick normally hits his opponents, not hits his teammates. Should I say 99 times out of 100. And his, his footy IQ, his decision-making is off the charts. And him and Ben King's partnership thus far this season has absolutely worked wonders. We saw last year when King missed the whole 2022 campaign, Levi Casbot and Marbio Chol had outstanding seasons, booting a combined 79 goals. And thus far, King and Lukosius have booted over a combined 50 goals and have given the Suns another focal point of attack, which has really gone down extremely well, especially the last, well, almost a couple of months since Tuke Miller went down with that with the lateral meniscus tear back in round six against North Melbourne, the Suns have rejuvenated their season. They're right in the hunt for who knows, arguably a maiden finals appearance. We saw last year that they'll ride in the hunt until arguably they had two crushing defeats since well back to back, wasn't it? Right against Port Adelaide, lost by two points in the following week. They lost to Collingwood by five points last season, and it's almost reminiscent right of 2014 with the Suns. They're almost in this position where they can sniff finals, but because of how close the competition is, you can't take things for granted. And this is exactly the same position that they currently sit. And it was basically, I think, round 16 of that year, back in 2014, they were going all guns blazing and then one devastating injury to their legendary skipper, Gary Ablett, doing his shoulder after a Brent McCaffrey tackle. And their season, unfortunately, derailed from there. And, it feels though that won't happen this season with Gold Coast. They're far more experienced, a far more resolute group in a way too. They've got contributors firing from both ends of the ground. We touched upon with Sam Collins and Charlie Ballard too. And they're extremely important in terms of aspects of their defending too with Ballard's intercept marking and Sam Collins taking on the opposition's best key forward and he'll have the job on Charlie Kerno this week. The midfield we've touched upon with Rowell and Anson, Matt Rowell's just 
been absolutely tackling machine, a clearance machine. And that game against the Western Bulldogs absolutely stands out, right? 29 disposals and 16 clearances. And Noah Anderson's just been important throughout the Gold Coast Suns resurgence in form too. So they're absolutely just clicking along at this stage. And Will Powell's also had another solid season. They've just got contributors all around, right, the Suns. And you really feel as though they're playing for Coach Georgia. We saw, what, a couple of weeks ago that he was a little bit under the pump. But since those victories, those two victories up in Darwin against the Western Bulldogs, which, well, the Bulldogs jumped out of the gates, right? They were up, they kicked was it the first four goals of the game. And against Adelaide, they were down 35 points in the second quarter, but they refused to yield and found ways to come back and win. And it's really shown the true testament of what Gold Coast has been producing right in these last couple of months. So, I've got the Suns winning this and it feels though in the way too, just the form that they're carrying is just, I think, going to be too much for Carlton in this stage. And who knows really where, the, where to at the moment for the Blues at this stage. You tend to back them in at times and they tend to let you down. So, again, the Suns for mine to win this game. I've got them winning this by three goals for mine So and look to keep themselves well and truly in the hunt for a top eight spot by season's end. We'll now turn to the sixth and final game of round 14, the third round, well, the second round, the second and final round of these bars with six teams currently having the bye at the moment. And the Bulldogs have had the golden run thus far over North Melbourne for the last four meetings. They've won by an average of 68 and a half points, and most of them sadly have been trouncings. And we saw a couple of years ago North Melbourne being on the receiving end of 128-point hiding at the hands of the Bulldogs, which Josh Bruce kicked those 10 goals. He's no longer playing forward, playing back in his accustomed backline role, which he was drafted at all those years ago when he was playing for GWS. And at this stage too, with the other, in terms of those other matchups as well, there's just been a few of those other beltings which North Melbourne have never really well and truly been in those contests on those contests, shall I say. The last time North Melbourne did beat the Western Bulldogs was all the way back in round 10, 2019. So it has been over four years, and that was Brad Scott's final game as North Melbourne coach, which the Roos end up winning for him to the tune of 25 points. You feel as though this is going to be, I think, a closer game than most people expect as well. The Bulldogs have lost their last three. Only a month ago, they were vying for a top four position, and now they find themselves right in the hunting pack for a top eight spot at this stage. And North Melbourne being competitive over the last couple of weeks. They stretched Essendon right to its limits and were unlucky to lose by goal and were extremely competitive last week against the Giants only to, well, basically run out of gas and end up losing to the tune of 28 points. But they'll get reinforcements back into the lineup. Jai Simkin and Hugh Greenwood, who were both concussed in that first half against Essendon, will return to the squad, and as does Kane Turner. Aiden Kaur, who was the sub last week, will keep his spot in the side. As for the Western Bulldogs, Tim O'Brien, Mitch Hannon, who was outstanding last week in the VFL, Lockie McNeil, Ryan Gardner, Hayden Crozier, and Robbie McComb. And Josh Bruce, who we did mention, kicked those 10 goals against North Melbourne a couple of years ago. He's been omitted, as has James O'Donnell, and also Arthur Jones one of the Bulldogs' trio of small fours alongside Cody Waitman has been omitted for this game. So it's going to be an extremely fascinating game too. The Bulldogs, no doubt, well, they'll be extremely disappointed in the way how the last three weeks have transpired. Just 
They haven't quite been at their best thus far. Marcus Bontempelli, of course, has had another outstanding season thus far. Adam Trelaw, again, has had a solid couple of weeks of form too. Tom Liberatore. And the North Melbourne midfield is something as well that has really stood out too. George Wardlaw earning the Rising Star nomination last round too. He's made an instant impact right away. No, of course, Harry Sheasel, right from his first game, has been outstanding. Will Phillips as well, since coming back into the team, has hit the ground running. And also Bailey Scott, Bailey Scott back on his accustomed wing position has also been a consistent contributor for North Melbourne. So they're going to give the Bulldogs a real run for their money as well. And this game will definitely be a lot closer than the previous four encounters between the two sides as well. And the other one I think to watch out for too, especially the Bulldogs in terms of what they want to produce as well. Cody Waitman's had an outstanding two games against North Melbourne. He's kicked nine goals against them and has really provided that dangerous spark around goal. And, of course, he had that injury-delayed start to the season, did make his debut this season until round five, or his return, shall I say, until, well, round five against Port Adelaide. And you expect him to have another big game as well, considering the form they've shown against North Melbourne. And you expect Luke McDonald possibly to get the matchup on him too. And that's going to be an extremely fascinating matchup to see how that transpires. But this game is going to be closer than I think most people expect, especially with North Melbourne being as competitive as they are. And yes, of course, they've only won two games. They haven't won a game since round two against Fremantle. But these last couple of weeks have shown that they're no easy pushovers. This rebuild is gaining traction and the Bulldogs can't take them lightly considering, well, we've touched upon, they've lost their last three and they need to win these type of games to keep themselves right in the finals hunt. So I've got the Bulldogs winning this by probably roughly around three to four goals, but it's going to be closer than what most people think and it should be an absolutely cracking contest under the roof at Marvel Stadium. Well, that's it. That's all the six games for round 14. It's going to be an absolutely belting round of footy again. I think we say it week in, week out, but just the way the ladder's positioned at the moment, there's no wriggle room for error. That's the term to use. There's just too much to lose for so many teams and one slip-up could arguably cost you a final spot, and especially when percentage comes into consideration too. Just with the bars as well, Adelaide, Collingwood, Essendon, Hawthorne, Melbourne and West Coast having the bye this week and those teams will be back in action next week. So it's going to be an absolutely belting contest, another belting round of football. Hope you enjoyed this solo podcast as well. We'll be back on next week with Julian previewing round 15. Enjoy the round and we'll see you again, same time, same place next week here on the Mojo Sports Network.